I'm Deontay Burton, and I'm down to dunk. I'm Hamadou Diallo. Hey, I'm Danilo Gallinari. I'm Chris Paul, and I'm down to dunk. I'm Luke Dort, and I'm down to Dort. What's Dort? I, I'm not going to lie. I don't know what that was. In English, bro. I'm Darius Baisley, and I'm down to dunk. I'm Shake Gilders Alexander. I'm Steven Adams. I'm Andre Robinson, and I'm down to dunk. Yeah. On you. Welcome to Down to Dunk. I'm your host, Andrew Schlecht. We're part of the Athletic Podcast Network. I want to remind you real quick to go to shopgoodokc.com backslash DTD to get your Down to Dort shirt. You got to pre-order it today. You'll get it at the beginning of next month. So make sure that you go pre-order those and you can wear it just like Lou Dort with me today. It's my good friend, Alex Spears. Alex, what's up? <laughs> the way you introed me, it sounded like Lou Dort was going to be here. And <laughs> we've got Lou Dort here on the you pod just again. Like Lou Dort with me today. <laughs> Lou Dort with me today. That'd be cool. It'd be cool to have Dort on a morning pod. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, poor guy. Having to wake up. Poor Lou. Uh, we're back. We it's are been back. Over, it's been two weeks. It has. It's been a while. I was so sick. I was embarrassingly sick. Oh. I know. To give people some background, Andrew sent a text to the group chat that said, hey, will one of you record with Alex tomorrow? And the only one who volunteered was Luke, <laughs> which meant it was going to be volume two of the Luke and Al pod. And we weren't comfortable doing that without getting Andrew's approval. But Andrew, after he sent that text, immediately went to sleep. <laughs> And so we never felt comfortable recording it because we didn't want to spend like an hour and a half recording. And then Andrew's going to be like, we cannot put that on the athletic. So we just didn't do anything. That's why you heard Mikey Barra last Wednesday. I put my phone away and then was just dead for 16 hours. And then I woke up and I was like, is there a pod? And I was like, there's no pod. Where's a pod? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. Uh, Anything uh, from All-Star Weekend that impressed you? I thought the whole weekend was really pretty awesome maybe one of the best all-star weekends of my life yeah wow yeah i mean i hadn't thought about it that way but maybe it it was really great and uh i listened to the low post yesterday with the elam ending guy yeah i haven't listened to that yet he i gotta give him some props he is very uh he's making sure that everyone knows that he was the creator of it (laughs) that was a big theme of the interview and I say, why not? You know? Yeah. He came up with this good idea 13 years ago, and he already got it in the basketball tournament, and now he's gotten it in the all-star game. And maybe they'll do it for summer league. And I guess if you have an idea that good, you got to make sure everybody knows. Was it good? Was it good? Was I mean, it I found it interesting to? just because uh, I hadn't thought about it a lot, just that, that the Elam ending, even even yeah. as I was watching it. I thought it was really fun, but I just hadn't thought about like the pros and cons of if you had that in a real basketball game. Yeah. And it is kind of interesting. Like the on on the one hand, it would potentially cut down on some intentional fouling mm-hmm. at the end of games. Yeah. Um, on the other hand, you you might not have a Derek Fisher point four second shot again. Yep. You know, there's really no reason to take a shot that bad <laughs> unless mm-hmm. you're just a terrible offensive team and you don't get a shot off until, yeah. but you wouldn't even know because it wouldn't be, you wouldn't really see the clock like that. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't know. It, it would take away like buzzer beaters. And I, I actually like the idea, but the one thing that 
kind of bothers me is that I think there'd almost be too many game winners. Like it would devalue game winners. Yeah. Because so many more games would have these game winning shots. One of the things he talks about is how like the points per possession in the last minute or whatever drops to like 0.25 or some ridiculous thing. Hmm. Like it's really bad because teams are usually just taking terrible shots. If they fall behind, it's really hard for them to get back. They have to take really terrible shots. And I kind of, I, I don't know when to say I like that, but when you get the shot that actually works, like the Derek Fisher shot, or I was thinking about the um, Devin Harris shot from a long time ago when he like double clutched it at half court yeah, yeah. and shot it up and it went in. Like those are the shots I remember. And I, I almost feel if they're just like game winning shot after game winning shot, it, it'll lose some of its appeal, even though in the moment it still is very cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't. It still feels too gimmicky at this point to put it in actual games, but I think yeah. you've got you got to test it more. Use it at summer league, use it at every All Star game, and then maybe if they do a mid season tournament, use it at the mid season tournament. You know, yeah, I def- I definitely think like a place like summer league where you really it'd be nice to have a little bit more excitement. Mm-hmm. Like, why not? In that case, like, yeah, if we had like an extra handful of game winners. Per summer that would be a lot more fun like i don't know if i'd ever feel comfortable using it in like the nba playoffs yeah yeah i think we're a long ways away from something but like it's a that. it's a cool idea and yeah. shout out to this guy i it, i definitely know it was him and i will give him credit <laughs> every time i bring it up he was he was like specifically talking about uh he would say like you, you know the nba um didn't mention it didn't mention my name on the on like the telecast, but uh, they are very nice to me behind the scenes. So. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I I guess I would be that way if I came up with an idea like that. I guess I don't know. It's just it's very he weird he- hearing him refer to it as the Elam ending because that's his last name. I was, you know? I was gonna wonder is his name like Stephen Elam or something? Uh, yeah, something like that. I mean, that'd be like even if I came up with the idea, like naming it after myself and then saying it all the time would sound weird to me. Yeah. Unless you but, just really, unless you were this guy, then it's not weird. Unless you were this guy. Yeah. <laughs> but he was not like afraid to be talking to Zach Lowe. I mean, I would turn into a little baby talking to Zach Lowe. I'd be blubbering. So oh, he's a, he's a ball state professor. So he was pretty, you know, oh, okay. well-spoken guy. And he had thought, it, I mean, he's been thinking about this for 13 years. So he had a lot of good responses to some of the common criticisms, which that was the interesting part. Yeah, that does. That sounds interesting. And Zach is good about going to bat and stuff like that. Yeah. Uh, okay. We got the rest of the season ahead of us and Woo! Alex has come up with 17 questions. About the end of the NBA season, and this is Thunder related and non Thunder related. I think mostly non Thunder related. So, uh, uh, that is true. This is the rest of season exam. Okay. Which, uh, if you were abbreviating it, it'd be Rose. Oh. And you know what Portland's motto is, or our thing? <laughs> we are the city of roses. Yeah. So, a lot of synergy there. Didn't even plan for that. Uh, so this is going to be exam between you and me versus what does the winner get? Well, if you win, Andrew, because all of these things are going to happen by July. Mm-hmm. We're going to know the answer to all these questions by July. Okay. 
I'm going to try to remember this because I'm putting a lot on this. If you win, you get to keep doing down to dunk. Okay. Pretty good for you. And if I win, I get your house and I take over all episodes of down to dunk. Okay. And then I have to give them back to you after a week when I realize uh, how much work it is. <laughs> but for one week, I will be in charge of Down to Dunk. Okay, I will give that to you. <laughs> I'll give, I will let you have that. Uh, so I'm, I split it up into five different categories. And they're just categories based on the type of question. So you could actually fill these out on a Scantron if you have one. Mm-hmm. Okay. So we, <clears throat> we have true or false. We have fill in the blank. Multiple choice, over, under, uh, this or that, <laughs> the classic Scantron category. <laughs> and then the final answer, or the final question, which is a short answer question. Okay. You know how they used to add those in at oh, the end. This really is an exam. I'm getting nervous. This is an exam. Now, these are all predictions about the rest of the season, and they will bring up different topics as we go through that we can expound upon if we want to. Okay. So are you ready? Let's do it. All right, so we're going to start with true or false. Very simple, true or false. So we can answer these the same way if we want to. We don't have to answer them differently. The first question, true or false, the bottom three teams in the league are set. Okay, so they are set in stone, which is currently Golden State, Cleveland, and Atlanta. Hmm. Now, to let you know, uh, the closest there, Cleveland and Atlanta have a two-and-a-half-game lead, or whatever you would call that, on Minnesota and the Knicks. So I guess the question is, do you think that Atlanta could potentially go on a late-season run? They did last year a little bit. They started looking better at the end of last year. They did just pick up Clint Capella, which you don't know if he's going to play, but those are some of the factors you have to think in. Obviously, if you're in the bottom three, you get equal odds at the top pick, which Mm -hmm. is 14%. You also get equal odds at a top four pick at 52.1%. So sort of important to be in that bottom three. Uh, I'll say false. I think the Knicks will will get there. I think then, I mean, they've traded away Marcus Morris, who was their best player easily. I think they're going to hand the keys over to R.J. Barrett as much as possible. And I think they're going to really suck. I mean, they've been bad. Obviously, they've been bad. They've won 17 games. But I, I think the Hawks will... <laughs> you think they can be worse? I think they can be much worse. I think what the Hawks have... Like if you compare the rosters of the Hawks and the Knicks, I think you'd be like, oh, okay. Like I, I can see the Hawks winning just a few more games than what the Knicks do down the stretch. So I'll say false. Um, I think I'm going to go false as well. I think the Knicks are a strong reason. I also think there's another team that could make a run that I will get to later. Okay. So we're both going to go false on that. So the next question, true or false, the home court teams in the Western Conference are set. So we're talking about the Lakers, the Nuggets, the Clippers, and the Jazz. Can Hmm. you see anyone from five to eight (laughs) breaking through into that group? Currently, the uh, Rockets, who are the closest team, they are two back of the Jazz. Mm Mm-hmm. That's that's really tough. I mean, that's that would what that's that's what it would be. I mean, the Thunder, it's not like they have no chance, but being three and a half back is that's not going to be easy. And the you know, and the Jazz have played a lot better right before the All Star break. Break they played really well. They so, did, but it was like uh, it, they got super lucky two games in a row. 
Yeah. Because they are only five and five in their last ten. They have won four in a row. Mm-hmm. But two of those games were like buzzer. Well, there was the buzzer beater, the bone dong. Yeah. The bone and then dong there was the uh, Damian Lillard goal ten, non-goal ten. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I guess, I guess also I'll say <clears throat> that they're that they're locked in. That I think okay. I think two games is even going to be hard for the Rockets to get. Because um, I mean, like the Rockets haven't been blowing the doors off people. They're six and four in their last ten. Two. That is true. So. I mean, the the Jazz have shown a propensity to go on like bad losing streaks this year, but I guess I'll stick with that. I guess I'll stick with the four or five being Utah and Houston. But I could, I mean, I could easily see Houston leapfrogging them, you know. And they're only the Jazz are only a half game back of the Clippers, right? Yeah, and only a only game a game and a half back of the Nuggets. Game and a half back of the Nuggets. So. This could all switch around. Like we could have a Clippers Rockets four five series in round one. That would be where one of those teams has to go home after round one. Man, in that scenario, I know that eventually I would like the Rockets to lose. But in that scenario, because mm-hmm. those are the two teams that we own picks from. Right. <laughs> I mean, seeing the Clippers go down in their first year. In the yeah. first round, yeah, just just for the fact that that next year, because remember Kawhi and Paul George are only signed through next year, right, right, mm-hmm. and and then they have options. The amount of pressure that would be on them next year to figure out something before they have to re up. I, th- I think I might have to root for the Rockets pretty hard in that <laughs> scenario. <laughs> I know. Well, and then who? It, to me, it doesn't really matter all that much because round two, you got to play the Lakers. True. Yeah. I think that's. I mean, it would be it would be really cool to have a Lakers Clippers round two. It, I mean, I'm excited either way because no matter what happens, I feel like this playoffs is going to be pretty relaxed for the Thunder. I'm not going to have huge expectations. We're not going to be talking in the weeks leading up about the dream scenario. Yeah. I don't, I don't think I think the dream scenario we've already achieved it. We've got it. Yeah, they're going to be a, a solid playoff team. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's they're eight and a half games up of the ninth seed Portland Trailblazers. And the cool thing is that whatever team they do play is going to have a lot of pressure on them to win a first round series to get out of that first round. Oh yeah. I mean, if, if, yeah. if the Thunder just win a game, I would be happy. It would be you know fun. Yeah. Yeah, just to me, be in the playoffs. Give me they, some, I mean, they're going to keep it close. They don't get really get blown out that much. Mm-hmm. Yeah, give me some extra candy, some just some playoff candy. That's, that's yeah, playoff candy. I just can't wait for the playoff candy. Yeah, I mean, uh, the Lakers, Nuggets, Clippers, Jazz, Rockets. There's incredible pressure on all of those franchises. To I mean, I I would guess every single one of those franchises thinks, yeah, we're going to the Western Conference Finals. Well, only two of you can. Yeah. Oh, I'll have a question coming up just about that, Andrew. Okay. Okay, I'm going to go false because um, we got to get some differences here if I'm going to take over your job and your home. <laughs> My home. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm going to go false there. The next one, Thunder-related, true or false, Dennis Schroeder will win sixth man of the year. Uh, I don't I- like uh, – people are definitely talking 
starting to talk about award season a little bit, but mm-hmm. I still feel like they're just in the, uh, you know, this guy should be mentioned at the table phase. Yeah. We're just kind of getting the candidates ready. I think it's true. I think, I mean, the can the guys are really, it's the, it's Montrez Harrell, Lou Williams and Schroeder. I mean, who else is it that's in the running? I, I honestly couldn't even come up with a name. Yeah. I mean, maybe Reggie Jackson goes on a late run here and they <laughs> have a third, but I don't know who else it would be. I mean, who have those East teams? I mean, Al Horford has only sat one game. Um, I don't know. I think, I think it's going to be, I think it's going to be those three. And I, I think that Schroeder's done enough. I mean, yesterday on the ringer NBA show, Jonathan Sharks said that Schroeder would be his sixth man. So he's, there's there's some steam. There's a little bit of steam there. Mm, mm, for, mm. For and and maybe the Clippers guys will split a little bit of the vote. Yeah, I think that's totally possible. Because I mean, who be do you nice. who do you pick? Because I I can see a lot of people just picking Lou Williams just because it's the Lou Williams Award at this point. Um, but Montres Harrell's numbers are pretty crazy. Yeah, Six Man of the Year is the only award where there is zero voter fatigue ever. That yeah. is never brought up with six men of the year. Right. People never get tired of voting for the same two guys for the last decade. I think you've got, to me, you've got a two shooter because there's the five of the five man combinations with the starters, that spot, shooters numbers are through the roof. And everybody else is negative. I mean, everybody else. Yeah. Ferguson, Dort, Nader, all those guys. And it's not like that's like a great crew it's like how how are they negative with those guys you know but still to be for it to swing so far like it says a lot about Schroeder and I think that when people talk about his six man of the year candidacy it's not just that he comes off the bench and scores points that he does that well but he competes on the defensive end every single night and they often will put him on the better wing on the other team and it's not Chris Paul and it's not Shea, it's Schroeder. And so to me, it's he, he, to me, he really deserves it because this could have been a year where he came in and was like, all right, where's, where do I fit here? I need to SPG. I need to start. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I think that he could have Reggie Jackson himself out of here and everybody would have been like, yeah, I get it. But instead, he comes off the bench. I mean, he's leading. Like, if you would just watch the bench during the games, he's up. And like leading the cheering from the bench, I mean he's he's been everything that we thought that he wouldn't be this year, and that's like decently efficient, really good spark plug off the bench, good defensive player, good teammate. I mean he's been, I mean he deserves a starting spot somewhere I think because he really, I mean I don't think that he could be in the running for most improved, but I think he has improved a lot from last year to this year. I mean, he's a very, very different player. Some of it's environment, but I think also some of it is that he's just gotten better. So look, I'm on basketball reference right now. Do you know, according to them, what Dennis Schroeder's on off is? I don't, not off the top of my head. His net rating is plus 10.8. Yeah, that's really good. Do you know what Lou Williams is? Mm-mm. Minus 7.6. Wow. See? Boom. Case closed. That's it. That's it right there. Send. The, I'm gonna send that into the league office. <laughs> That's for real. I think he deserves it. Like I honestly, 
do. And I'm trying to be objective. It's almost impossible for me to be completely objective because I watch every single Thunder game and I don't watch every single Clippers game. So it's hard for me to be that. But I do think that he's deserving. And I also think it'd be great for a guy who does not want to be a six man at all to win the six man of the year. No, award. Uh, you ask him about it. He's like, I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be great. Okay, next. So I, I agree. I'm going true on that as well. Next, fill in the blank. First question, Andrew. We've talked about this a lot. It's come up again and again throughout the year. It's time to lock in our final guesses. The eighth seed in the West will be blank. Oh, man. Uh, the Portland Trailblazers. All right. Interesting. I am going with the New Orleans Pelicans. Okay. And uh, right, and that's that's asking a lot. It's asking I a lot. I will admit. Because uh, currently I think they're five and a half games back of uh, Memphis. But here is my argument. Memphis has the hardest remaining schedule in the league. Right. I, it will be really difficult for it to be Memphis. I would actually like it to be Memphis. I think that would be really fun. I think that who, watching John Morant in the first round would be awesome. It would be. And, and I like them. I have nothing against them. But real quick, Andrew, this will take me 10 seconds. Listen to this final stretch of games. <laughs> at Portland, at Utah, at San Antonio, Oklahoma City, at Milwaukee, the Pelicans at the Pelicans versus Boston versus the Raptors at the Raptors. <laughs> Finally, they get a break with the Knicks. <laughs> then they play the Mavericks at the Blazers at the Nuggets Thunder again, Sixers. And then they end with at the Rockets. Yeah, they're toast. That's their final month. There's one game in there with the Knicks that I think is a gimme. The next easiest is an at San Antonio game. Yeah. That is crazy to me. Man. So on the flip side, New Orleans has the easiest remaining strength of schedule in the league. Mm -hmm. They're ranked 30th. And since Zion's debut, which I think was like January 28th, they are eighth in offense and sixth in defense. <laughs> so they've been top 10 in both of those markers. Yeah. And I think I didn't go into too much depth, but because it's like, why would I look at other teams based on when Zion came back? But using that as a marker, the Thunder were also another team that was top 10 in both of those. Yeah. Uh, the, the, so normally I've been picking the Blazers throughout this year. The thing that scares me, though, is that Terry Stotts gave an update on Dame. And he said, with groins, you just don't know. Because Damian Lillard did have a yeah. groin strain. He said, it could be a week. It could be a month. Who knows? Okay. I forgot about that. I had forgotten about the groin injury with him. So that's what kind of scared me off of the Blazers. Oh, boy. Yeah. Without Dame, I mean, they might be done. I mean, if he misses right. a month, they're, they're, you don't do it. You can't get there. It's four games. It's still four right. games to get it's there. It's still four games. And the next closest would be the Spurs, which we haven't even mentioned. They're five games back. God, just like picking them would just feel... I mean, it could happen. I guess I'll still stick with Portland because I'm a huge Trevor Ariza guy. Ah, uh, okay. Who who isn't, <laughs> honestly? No, I think I mean if he can come back in a week, then they'll be fine. And I mean, they're I can't remember who said it. Somebody said that they were obsessed with making the 8th seed. <laughs> 
That's pretty funny. Yeah. And so I think they've come a long way. <laughs> Western Conference Finals to being obsessed with making the eighth seed. Yeah, I'll I'll I mean it would be a disaster. I mean, if the Pelicans miss no one nobody cares within the organization. It's like that's okay. Like we'll get another lottery pick. We'll try again. If the Blazers miss the playoffs, I mean that's just a disaster. It's an absolute disaster. And it so is. I think I think yeah. I think there'll be desperation on their part. And CJ okay, like yeah. CJ can show more. I think CJ can show more even while Dame's out. So next question: the non LA Western Conference team most likely to make the conference finals is. Blank. Well, as is, it can't it can't be the Rockets or Jazz. Because if that's, well, unless if that you, th- holds. I mean, is it really? Do, do you view the Lakers that much of a superior playoff team to the Clippers? I mean, I think they're both kind of equally difficult in the second round if they were there. Yeah, I'm just I'm just thinking about like the path, right. Because if the Clippers stay at three, then yeah, I think the Clippers will be the team. I will, they will be that team. You know, 3-6 matchup against the Thunder. Oh, when I said non-LA, Andrew, I meant both teams. Oh, you meant both teams. Oh, you shit. cannot choose the Lakers or the Clippers. I was just thinking of the Clippers. Okay. Oh, boy. If you can't choose one of those teams, who is most likely to make the conference finals? Okay. Um. Golly. I guess I'm gonna have to say Houston. Wow. Okay. I thought I was I thought you were about to jump all over me as Deborah Rockets, my new <laughs> alter ego. No, I think Houston just be like they're gimmicky enough to where if shots are falling in two rounds, that they could do it. But right. I mean that's I mean it's they're totally dependent on the three point shooting of guys like PJ Tucker and Eric Gordon. And traditionally that hasn't gotten you super far. Um and they and they I don't know. I don't I don't know how this stuff I don't I don't know how this stuff with Russ works for them. I don't know if teams start to figure them out more as the season goes along. I don't know if you know if they play Utah in round one, if Rudy Gobert, I, in the past, Rudy Gobert has gotten in Russell Westbrook's head. Like, that's happened. And does that happen again? I don't know. Because, um, I mean, Rudy baited him into taking a ton of horrible shots in the past. And so does he revert back? And if he reverts back, like, I'm picking the Jazz, you know, in that series. Honestly, if that, if I was a Rockets fan, the matchup I want the most is the Jazz. I I th- I would pick them over the Jazz like in a second. Just just because I am they not don't scared have, of Rudy have, Gobert at all. Yeah, because the 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 centers that scare me are ones like Jokic who can do a lot of things offensively. Yeah, and I watched them play the Jazz when they lost on that buzzer beater, mm-hmm. and like Gobert was not that scary in that game, and Russ was taking it directly to him. That's what I'm saying. That Russell wasn't afraid. I I saw that too. Right. I watched that fourth quarter, and Russell wasn't afraid. But I'm just saying, if he reverts back, because Russell sure. has the last two playoffs, Russell has gotten weird. Like he's been in like a certain mode during the regular season, and then the playoffs he gets weird. And maybe it's it's a huge blessing to the Rockets that Ricky Rubio isn't on that Jazz team anymore. 
because a lot of it he got weird because of Rubio. And so like who who is and he got weird in last year's playoffs because of Dame. And maybe he doesn't get weird against Donovan Mitchell or Mike Conley. And I think that's the best case scenario for the Rockets is that he doesn't get weird against some opposing point guard. Right. Um, so But at least they have someone like Harden to fall back on. Yeah. He seems to be breaking out of his funk a little bit. To fall okay. back on. We're going to fall back on freaking James Harden. Better yeah. than playoff P. Golly, man. Uh, okay, P. next question. So we both chose uh, Houston there. The non-Milwaukee Eastern Conference team most likely to make the NBA Finals. Oh, man. Is blank. Uh, so you have to choose one of the non-Milwaukee teams to make the NBA Finals. I'm still going Sixers. Oh my God, that's that's what I, that's my choice too. Is it really? We're we're idiots. <laughs> I I just I the the top tier talent. I just can't deny it. Like Boston's a, is is cute. I just don't know how much I believe in them to get to the NBA Finals. Uh, same. Have, with, have you same. lost all faith in uh, Kemba Walker after seeing him in crunch time in the All Star game? <laughs> after he imploded in the All Star game, I'm out on Kemba yeah. Walker. <laughs> uh, my Miami is probably the only other one that I thought twice about, just because I really like Jimmy Butler, and I like that way that team is constructed. Uh, but. I don't know. I still look at the top tier talent. We've seen one game of them of the Sixers with Horford coming off the bench. I think that's a good solution to their problem. Uh and uh you know, they've got former Thunder guard Alec Burks now on their Who on they their desperately team. needed. <laughs> they desperately needed. I don't know. I if they to me if they get it together, they could beat the Bucks. I could see that happening. But they've still have they've got a long ways to go to quote unquote get it together. But they've shown up against the the heavy hitting competition almost every time, and so I I believe I believe in 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 those guys to an extent still. I mean, it really is amazing that they have the best home record in the league. Yeah. They have a better home record than the Bucks, mm-hmm. who have only lost eight games. They are twenty five and two. Yeah, <laughs> at home. It's pretty wild. Which is wild. Like if yeah. they just defend home court and then all of a sudden they just have to win a road game. Like I really do believe that they're like a sleeping giant mm-hmm. and and it's going to all flip at the playoffs, which I know is asking them a lot to be that kind of team because they don't have Jimmy Butler like they did last year, who I think was incredibly essential to their playoff success. So now you're asking people like Josh Richardson and um, maybe Al Horford to step up a little bit more, but they don't. They still don't necessarily have like a closer. Yeah. Unless you think uh, it's Furkin, could be Furkin, could be Furkin Korkmaz. Uh, yeah. You also have to. The flip side is on the road. The Sacramento Kings, the Phoenix <laughs> Suns, both have better road records than than the Sixers. They're they're, they're tied with the Knicks. Yeah, the Knicks for have, road record. The Knicks have the same road record. The Charlotte Hornets have a better road record than the Sixers do. Doesn't that isn't that just ha- like because I feel like it's a lot harder to go twenty five and two at home than it is to go nine and nineteen on the road. 
I, I feel like that is just them thinking that they're way better than they are. And they're just kind of coasting. We're kind of seeing that with the Clippers a little bit. Yeah. It's honestly amazing. It's a, it's an astonishing number. I mean, it, they're the bucks at home and the Knicks on the road. Yeah. That is wild. It's so weird. And that is why we're picking them. And that's <laughs> to make the NBA finals. <laughs> okay. You ready? We're moving on to multiple choice. Okay. First question. Which of the following buyout guys will be most impactful on their new team? Choices are Marvin Williams with the Milwaukee Bucks, Michael Kidd Gilchrist with the Dallas Mavericks, Reggie Jackson with the Los Angeles Clippers, or Damari Carroll with the Houston Rockets. Oh, that's a really gross, gross list of players. Oh, what a, if we had gotten one of those guys, we would have been thrilled. Yeah. What well, maybe not Reggie? No, not would not. Or MKG. Yeah. But Marvin Williams, I would take him. Yeah, I mean the Marvin Williams would serve a would serve a purpose on this team. Yeah, for sure. I guess I'm gonna say Reggie Jackson. He's the best. Mm. He's the best player out of all those guys. I think he will play. Uh, I don't like him at all. Don't like anything about him. Uh, I don't even really like his game all that much. I don't really even quite understand the fit there with the Clippers. But wow, strong recommendation <laughs> coming from Andrew. <laughs> well, I mean, like Marvin Williams. Like, what's Marvin? Is Marvin Williams going to play a ton of minutes for that Bucks team? Like, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. My answer is Damari Carroll. I think something really weird happened with the Spurs. Yeah, how many like, minutes? Do people has he even realize that they year? signed him to a three-year deal? Yes, this past summer. Yeah, he still has over six million guaranteed next year, and then another million in the third year. It's basically like a mini Dwayne Deadman that just happened. Yeah, except they bought him out and didn't trade him. And the reason why I'm picking him for most impactful is because, you know, I've been watching a lot of the Rockets since they since the trade deadline and I'll be honest, I'm not really worried about the defense. I'm not even that worried about the rebounding. The number one thing in my opinion to be worried about if you, if you like the Rockets or have any investment in their success is the energy and the energy it takes to play this way. Mm-hmm. Watching those tiny little guys, it looks like fifth graders out there going up against eighth graders sometimes like watching those guys go against Rudy Gobert and they basically you know, have these two tiny guys just doing their best against him. It looked like it took so much energy. And so if Demari Carroll can just come in and give them 15 minutes, what they, which they weren't giving to someone like Isaiah Hartenstein, mm-hmm. if he can just come in and expand their rotation by a guy, which is the same thing for Jeff Green. If you could just have these guys come in and not be huge negatives in like 10 to 15 minutes – just for the sake of expanding their rotation, which Mike D'Antoni does not want to do, if they can suddenly go from seven guys that he's willing to play to nine guys that he's willing to play, that that in and of itself would be huge for the Rockets because I do think fatigue is the biggest factor in terms of their rest-of-season success. I don't think P.J. Tucker can do this every single night, 38 minutes a game, and then go into the playoffs. Yeah. So if Damari Carroll can be a small ball five – which sounds crazy, but if he can do that for 10 to 15 minutes a night, I think that in and of itself would be the most impactful thing out of all these guys. And he's played 135 minutes this season. He's well rested. <laughs> that's, that's, that's a good way to spin it. 
I now, Reggie, I see some people saying, like, it may get to the playoffs and he's only playing eight minutes a game. But personally, I mean, again, neither of us like Reggie Jackson. But I, I would say I believe in Reggie Jackson a little bit more than, like, Landry Shamit. Yeah, maybe also, so. Also, is it Shamit or Shamet? I've heard <sighs> both I get ways. so much anxiety when I, I say think I just name. say Shamit. Landry Shamit. But I don't know. I I think I trust Reggie more than him in a playoff setting. He's won a playoff series for the Thunder, basically, against the Grizzlies. He did. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what to think about the Damari Carroll-Jeff Green deals because it's it's the Spurs and the Jazz that let these guys go. Like you don't think the Spurs want to like the Spurs want to make the playoffs? Like what like what happened there with Damari Carroll? If he's good, then why wasn't he playing? I mean, he just didn't play. He played 15 games for them. Like, what's, he's a junkyard dog. Is he? Like, what's going on there? Like, I just don't. I don't understand. I don't. I don't get it. Well, I saw you. You tweeted about that, and one of the replies was from a Spurs fan that mm-hmm. uh, blamed Popovich. For having weird rotations, so I have taken that as gospel, and I now uh, believe that wholeheartedly. I saw one comment, <laughs> yeah, so that's what I'm going with. It's very strange, and Jeff Green has has really just not been impactful for a very long time. It's true. I'm just I'm thinking of them as bodies. <laughs> they are bodies that Mike D'Antoni might be willing to play because they're not rookies and they're not seven feet tall. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, the idea of both of them makes sense on that team. Like, the idea of them. Like, what everybody is thinking about them. Like, oh, yeah. Damari Carroll, 3 and D. That's great. Jeff Green, versatile, big, bigger guy. Great. That's awesome. We're forming the 2011 Oklahoma City Thunder right before our eyes. You know, we have Tyson Chandler. We get to, this is the biggest Thunder what if. It's playing out right in front of us. Right there in Houston. They're going to bring Eric. I hear, I, I hear the fear in your voice. They're going to bring Eric Maynor up. Eric Maynor's coaching the blue. They're going to say, hey, come on, Eric. Get over here with your guys. Oh, what if that's who they replace D'Antoni with? Yeah, Eric. Yeah. Why not? Yeah. Why not do it? Um, okay, next question. I'm giving you Reggie Jackson for that. I'm going to Mark Carroll. I don't know how I will judge that. I'll figure out a way. <laughs> okay. All right, next question. Which of these four teams, currently with the sixth to ninth worst records, will finish with a bottom four record? Now, remember that a bottom four record gets you a 48.1% odds of keeping a top four pick, which is pretty good because after that, it starts dropping off by six percentage points. So the difference between, for instance, being in the fourth spot versus the sixth spot is a 16 percentage point difference. Yeah. In your likelihood. So it goes from 48% to like 34%. So it's really nice to be a top four pick. And your contenders are the Knicks, who are zero games behind. They are mm-hmm. tied with the Timberwolves, who are currently in the four spot. Detroit, who's one game behind. Charlotte, who's one and a half games behind. And then Chicago, who's two games behind. I'll say the Knicks. I think Detroit <laughs> Detroit is very interesting as a tanking team the rest of the season um but i'll say the knicks and i think there's a potential we could both be right because 
I was going to go with Detroit. Detroit has lost four in a row. Yeah. They got rid of Drummond. They obviously just got rid of Reggie Jackson. They do still have Derrick Rose, which that's something. They're two and eight in their last 10. Yeah. So I think (laughs) it's going to be a a real tank battle because I do think the Wolves are probably trying to get a real look at what they have. Yeah. So they're not going to be tanking as hard. So it's really going to be a bit, but a battle, a battle <laughs> between the Knicks and the uh, Pistons. And I could see both of those teams being in the top four if the Hawks go on a little run. Maybe Capella comes back. Mm-hmm. I think that could be our final four with Golden State and Cleveland. Yeah, no, I think that makes sense. So they can pair someone with Seiko. Seiko. <laughs> All right, next question: Who will be the number one pick in the 2020 draft? Your options are Anthony Edwards. Or the field. Now, why did I make Anthony Edwards such a favorite? Well, in the most recent Sam Vecini mock and the most recent Jonathan Gavoni mock, they both had Anthony Edwards as the number one pick. Mm -hmm. So you can either choose him or you can take everyone else. It's such a weird draft. It is such a weird draft because, like, you're not, you don't see any of these guys playing. (laughs) Right. Yeah. And so, like, what are you supposed to do? I don't know. I mean, I I guess I'll just stick with Anthony Edwards just because he is a a guy that can handle the ball and shoot it, and he's got decent size. Um, it's just it is just such a gross draft at the top that you're just like oh. it's it's so bad. And thinking about whoever you're going to sign is going to be on like a decent sized deal. Yeah, for the for the next at least three years, probably, mm-hmm. probably making about you know ten million or more a year. Yeah, this is not the draft that you want to have a top five pick in. It is not, and because of that, I'm going to take the field. Yeah, because the last time I felt like this was that Nerlens Noel draft. Yeah, that's we true. always we all kind of assumed he would be the number one pick, but just because it's like, well, what what else are you going to do? Mm-hmm. And I, I do feel like there's still an attraction to big men, so maybe it's James Wiseman yeah, goes first, which, which would be so crazy to me because no one's even talking about him like in the realm of uh, DeAndre Ayton, much less like a Carl Anthony Towns. And yeah. the idea of taking a big man like that in 2020 who doesn't even have who, – who no one seems to suggest has that kind of upside. Right. What, what a bad pick if that's what you get. I know, and whether he turns out well or not, yeah, it and it's just it, it's and it's going to be relative to who these guys are around him. Like is is Cole Anthony an NBA player, and is he any good? I have, I have no clue. I don't know no what to clue. tell you. Like, what is Lamelo Ball in the NBA? I yeah, Lamelo is probably like the sexiest name. So if there was a team that just needs a name needs mm-hmm. some star power. I could see him totally going first. Yeah. And it, and it will very, very much depend on the franchise that's drafting there. Like if it's golden state, I just think they're going to take Anthony Edwards. And I think that's it. Um, if it's Minnesota, like I think they are gonna, I don't know, maybe they're an Anthony Edwards guy too. I don't know. Um, New York, like what does New York do if they get the number one pick? Like they may I feel be, like they take Lamelo. They may be a Lamelo team. So a lot of it's going to depend on who picks there. But I think enough teams need, like Minnesota needs a needs like a, a wing now that they've got their point guard in their center. And so, right. Um, 
Golden State, I think, is similar. Although they may be, like they may be a team that's like, all right, we'll take James Wiseman. Let's see if we can make him like he's physically just a monster. Let's see if we can make him, you know, and w- use our culture to make him into a really good player that can kind of do everything. I don't know. It's it's kind of a crapshoot, and I'm and I'm glad that this is the year <laughs> that Golden State's like super bad and tanking, and not like a year like last year's draft or something where it's like, oh my gosh, like the the freaking Warriors could get Zion. Yeah. Okay, well, I have a few more draft questions for you. We're now moving into over-under. First over-under question, number of OKC first-round picks in the 2020 draft. Mm-hmm. Over-under 1.5. Yeah. Now, they could, even if you think they're going to lose their pick, they could, you know, trade for one if there's a guy they like. So mm-hmm. factor that in as well. So the Thunder have to finish with a better record than Philadelphia, Houston, Miami, that group. Um, which I don't think is that easy. Like they may end up with a twentieth pick in the draft. Do you think? Do you think they're gonna jump Philly? Uh, Philly or Houston? Yeah, I, mean, that's, I wouldn't. I wouldn't bet on it. Yeah. At this point, though, like I did not see them jumping Dallas and Indiana. I didn't either. Yeah, I'll go to. I'll say over. Uh, okay. I think that they'll end up keeping their pick, and also, and I and McKelly and I talked about this on Monday. I think the Thunder are going to make the playoffs. That will happen. I hope that they will, and I don't. And this, some of this is on Chris Paul. I hope that they will rest. Chris Paul and Gallinari down the stretch because the, the very, very worst thing that could happen to this franchise is that one of those guys has some kind of serious injury, you know, like rest, like rest them. I don't, I don't care if Baisley's out, like rest those guys, rest them. Let, let these younger guys play. And if you lose games, that's okay. Like it's okay to be the seventh seed. (laughs) It's okay to even be the eighth seed. That's okay. It's fine. Don't do not, compromise you know the asset that those guys are you know moving forward just to you know win two more games it's not worth it it is just not not worth it do you remember the uh the year when the new orleans oklahoma city hornets had two first round picks (laughs) yeah they had they drafted (laughs) cedric simmons and oh oh can you get it Who's the other big guy? He played at UConn. Um, he did. Named yeah. after a hotel. Um, Hilton Armstrong. That is true. Yeah. That's a great name. Hilton yep. Armstrong. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I was so excited. It's like two picks. Yes. Two picks. We got, the, we got these guys, and they are terrible. They and were both Hilton went so in between J.J. Redick and Tabo. Those were the <laughs> two picks that were uh, bookending him. <laughs> what a it's bad, crazy. bad draft. Oh, my gosh. Kyle Lowry went at 24 in that draft. Oh, boy. Rondo went at 21. Sheesh. What a – Okay. I mean, just just two two of the worst draft picks. Yeah, I, remember, yeah. I, was, I was excited for those those two. I didn't know anything about them, but I was like, oh, they're tall. Yeah. Um, okay, so we're both going over with that. 
Wow, that was the P.J. Tucker draft. He's so old. He's very old. That's a problem. Like, that's... Like, I I think the Rockets could be the team that's non-LA that gets to the West Finals, but I don't... Like, I don't feel very confident. Like, Like, I feel as confident... Like, they... My confidence level in them losing in round one and making the West Finals is like the same. Yeah, I I agree. I agree. I think they have the the lowest floor and the highest ceiling of those like contending teams or upper tier teams in the West. Mm-hmm. Okay, next question: number of top three picks in the twenty twenty draft that are traded on draft night over under of point five. So basically, we've talk, been talking about this being a weak draft. Maybe that potentially will lead to a top pick being traded. We also have a team like the Warriors mm-hmm. who maybe don't necessarily want a top three pick. Do you think one of those top three picks will be traded on draft night? I'm going to say no. I think it it just rarely happens. Like it it's just true. Very rarely happens. So I'm going to say I'm going to say no. I think that teams will look at those picks and be like okay, like I feel like I could get the same talent at nine that you're getting at two. So why I'm am going, I I'm going to disagree this? with you because I think there's a lot of dumb teams. <laughs> and I, I think what's going to happen is one of these terrible teams is going to fall out of the top four. Yeah. And then they're going to be panicking because they tank this whole season and they're going to get like at the sixth pick in this miserable draft. Mm-hmm. And they're going to feel a lot of pressure that like they have to move up. And a team like the Warriors, if they could get something back that's decent or like a future first mm-hmm. and kind of extend their future assets, I think that, that'd be a good idea. So I'm going over. Yeah, that's a that's a really good point that Golden State just might take advantage of Cleveland or Minnesota or New York or Detroit or Charlotte or any. I mean, there's a there's a whole list of teams that have been in the lottery forever. And there's a reason is because they're poorly run. It's not because they've had bad luck. It's because they're just poorly run franchises. All right, next question. Thunder wins over under 49 and a half. Oh, gosh. <laughs> Will they get to 50, Andrew? I'll say under. I. It's Whoa. <laughs> what do they have to go, like 17 and 10? 17 I think? and 10. Yeah. It's possible that they... Doesn't sound like it. That they got... They go 17 and 10. I think they're just, I think they get really close. I think that, I mean, if they win 48 games like the Thunder team did two years ago. Massive disappointment. <laughs> isn't that wild to think that the same team that had Russell Westbrook, Paul George, Carmelo Anthony, Steven Adams wins the same amount of games as when they trade all those guys away, you know? It is crazy. It makes you think. Makes you think. <laughs> it's it's weird. It is wild. It is this season has been crazy. Um, well, I will go over uh for the sake of being different and because I actually believe in this team. <laughs> I don't hate them like Andrew. If they win fifty games. <laughs> if this team wins fifty games, I don't yeah. I I think they can. I think they totally can. Doesn't I, sound like it. I think the if they could have gotten it together a little bit quicker at the beginning of the season, because they had a really bad stretch to start the season, that they, they that they are easily a 50-win team. Like, I think they've, since Thanksgiving, they've played like a 50-win team. And that's who they've been, you know, since the end of November. And we're but you don't the think they're like that anymore. You think the, they've turned the corner for the worse. 
I think they're going my, in the in the gutter. My hope is that they rest their veterans. That's my hope. And I hope they run them into the ground to get to 50 <laughs> wins. Okay, next section. This or that. Andrew, we're going to go back and forth. I'm going to give you two teams. Okay? Okay. You're picking who do you think is going to go further in the playoffs? So the first set I give you, you get the first choice. The second set, I get the first choice. And we're going to go back and forth. There's four of these, okay? Okay. So who's going to go further in the playoffs, Toronto or Boston? Uh, I'll say Boston. Okay, so that means I get Toronto. The next group, Clippers or the Lakers? I am going to go with the Clippers. Okay, wow. Okay, I like that. So you get the Lakers. I would like to have the Lakers. Uh, The next set jazz or rockets (laughs) i'll take the rockets oh wow i have to get the jazz i hate the jazz i know i hate the jazz too uh all right last one for me thunder or the mavericks (laughs) okay i I know i just said that they were i know i just picked them for 50 wins you did you picked them for 50 (laughs) yeah uh, I know I made a big deal about it. I made a big show, but uh, <laughs> I think in a playoff series, the upside of the Mavericks with their offense, like uh, they have, they have a a generation defining player, which I guess we do too with Chris Paul. We do, we do. Um, but I think I'm going to go with the Mavericks, which means that you have the Thunder. I'll take the Thunder. I think that they've, I think they've got some magic. I'll, t- I'll okay. Take it. So the the point of doing that section was it really creates a lot of difference between us. Okay. Mm -hmm. Now they, they could lose in the same round, I guess some of these, but we are now to our final question, Andrew. Okay. Final question, rest of season exam, short answer. You have to answer this. Is this version of Russell Westbrook, the best version of Russell Westbrook? I don't think it's, I mean, the best version of Russell Westbrook, we saw it. It was that MVP year where he could. Oh, the year they won 46 games, Andrew? Yeah, the year they won 46 games and he carried them to the, I thought it was 47 to the 47. The year they won, yeah. It took one away. Total. I think it's, there's just no question in my mind. Really? That it's this version of Russ. And I know the efficiency, blah, 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 whatever. Like, I, I don't know that any other player could have done what Russell Westbrook did that year. And that, like right now, like great. He's attacking the basket. He's attacked the basket relentlessly for three weeks. That's amazing. That's great. But are we talking about like him in a full season? It's no question then. If we're talking about like a snapshot, like people are, I've heard people say that. I don't remember who, who said it on Pablo Torre, I think said that. Cool. That's great. But like the snapshot, of him like you're just you're just taking what you want to take of this of this run and saying like oh this is it right here well you have like this whole season as well like you have this entire season of him being the mvp and dragging this team and hitting amazing shots and i don't know i i that season was so magical just because of him so to play devil's advocate though we saw what happened in the playoffs. They lost in five to the Houston Rockets that year. Mm-hmm. What is there anything that could happen this year with the Rockets? 
Because like we've discussed, this team is designed around Russell Westbrook, which is crazy to say. Yeah. The Houston Rockets are now Russell Westbrook's team. Is there anything that could happen this year in the playoffs? Like how many rounds would they have to win for you to reconsider and say maybe this is the best version of Russell Westbrook? They'd have to make the West Finals. I mean, okay. that's – yeah, they'd have to make a run like that for for me to change my mind. Because, I mean, if you look at that Thunder team and you look at his on-offs in that Rockets series, I mean, it wasn't his fault. He was amazing in that series. He was so good. It's just that they had not that many players surrounding him that fit with him and that were very good. You know, I mean, that wasn't his fault. I mean, if Russell Westbrook, that version had this Rockets team around him, then that team might go to that team would go to the Western Conference Finals. You know what I mean? You have James Harden and all those guys on that team and that version of Westbrook where he's hitting like 37 percent of his threes. And he's just a monster, and nobody can stop him. Like that, there's just no question in my mind at all. So I would say, the thing I feel confident saying is that I think this is the best version of Russell Westbrook who can't shoot. Um, because the biggest yeah. difference in that MVP season was he took a lot of threes, a lot, seven per game, yeah, and sh- shot thirty four point three percent, which isn't amazing, but it's better than it needs to be it's above 33 percent like it's it's not a bad shot those no. weren't bad shots and for a majority year. of the season he was hitting a lot the higher percentage than that right so i do feel confident saying like if russell westbrook cannot shoot this would be the version you'd want because they've tailored the entire roster to his strengths yeah at this point which is getting to the rim and he's still a really good passer but still kick out. My question with my counter is, wouldn't you want him to be able to shoot? <laughs> yes. I mean, you, you tweeted this last night about Ben Simmons and the difference between uh, the public reaction to Ben Simmons and Russell Westbrook shooting. Like, it's almost like if Ben Simmons was taking five threes per game and shooting 20%, we would all just be furious that he's taking shots and want him to stop shooting. And I do feel like that is an archetype of player that people have, we don't really know what to do with in the modern game. Yeah. And maybe the Rockets have figured out a way to make that type of player useful, Mm -hmm. Um, which that in and of itself is kind of interesting to me. Yeah. Because, you know, these last two seasons, and, and I don't even blame the Thunder because when we talk about, Westbrook shooting, you know, that first year post KD, he shot really well for him. That next year was the year with Mello and PG coming in. So like you, we were still trying to figure out like what this team looks like. We really weren't talking about his shooting that much that year. Right. It wasn't until that third season. And you mentioned on the fry pod a couple weeks ago where like at some point in that third season, we were, we had, we're at least broaching the, to the topic of, is Steven Adams the best player to have on the court with Russell Westbrook if he's going to shoot like this? Mm-hmm. Like, is there someone else we could get? So we weren't even thinking that way until that third season. Right. So I don't, I don't necessarily blame the Thunder because they probably watched him in the MVP year and were like, well, if he can just shoot 34, 35%, like, that's amazing. Like, we don't necessarily have to do something revolutionary yeah. to, to make this work. Whereas I do think the Rockets ended up having to do that 
one, because he just couldn't shoot. I mean, he was shooting 25% when he was shooting and then eventually he just stopped shooting. Yeah. And so I'm, I'm fascinated by it. I, I did not. And I think you would say this too. Like when we traded him this summer, I was not expecting Russell Westbrook to have like another peak. I thought it was going to be a continued decline. And I mm-hmm. do think that he has been better than the last two seasons. There's which no is doubt. In, which is interesting to me. The yeah. fact that he has not continued on a decline. Mm-hmm. Because it had kind of been a decline since the MVP year. Yeah, and it, what it's really been a decline in is his shooting. And right. And his insistence in shooting the basketball. As well, much and as his free did. throws, which that's another like weird aspect of this is that his free throws have ticked up again. He's now like yep. at 74%. He's at 78%. 78%. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah, he's gotten I mean, he's been better this season, no doubt. And I do think that there were a couple things. I think getting the triple doubles m- did mean a lot to him at the time in Oklahoma City. Um I think getting it 3 years in a row meant something to him. Uh and also I think that he is so stubborn that he thought I'm going to shoot myself out of this two-year slump. <laughs> yeah, you know, when he had really just declined as a shooter, and he you you just can't get it back. And so, whatever they've done in Houston to make him realize, hey, you like look, you can't shoot it. And and the, also, he was even so much worse in Houston at shooting the three ball than he was even the year prior in Oklahoma City. Like he was just so much worse at it. That, right. you know, it's undeniable. You're shooting 23%. You know, I mean, you can't, you can't say. <laughs> I mean, the numbers speak for themselves at that point. You know, if he, like, he was at 29, 30, 31 throughout, like, most of the season, the last two seasons for Oklahoma City, and it's like, okay, well, I'm, I believe I can get that up to 33, you know? Like, I believe I can get there. When you're at 23, like, okay, like, maybe, <laughs> maybe this is not for me. Yeah, and that's why when we, you know, backing out and looking at the rest of the season, big picture, this is like the most interesting thing to me. On the one hand, we have a Thunder team that could potentially win more games than any of the Russell Westbrook or Paul George-led teams over Mm -hmm. the last three seasons. That in and of itself is wild. And then on the flip side, we have a Russell Westbrook-led team, not a team that has Russell Westbrook on it, a Russell Westbrook-led team that we both think outside of like, the the Clippers and the Lakers might have the best shot to get to the conference finals just because they're so strange and unique. Mm -hmm. And so I'm just imagining a scenario where like the Thunder win 50 games and win a playoff series going alongside with like Russell Westbrook making the Western conference finals. Yeah. Like all that would just blow my mind. And I do feel like all of that is up for grabs. That's a potential outcome. Yeah. As unlikely as it might be. It could happen. It's, It's, it's potential. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and if this all doesn't go well for Houston, <laughs> like if they lose in round one, let's say they play the Clippers in round one, and the Clippers steamroll them, like what do you do? I mean, what do you we do? We start. We start posting those GQ photos. <laughs> that's right. I mean, what? I just don't know what you do if you're Houston. If that's the outcome, I I think they fired Daryl Morey. God, that would just it would just be too glorious. Yeah, that that that'll be the return of uh, Deborah Buckets. Yeah. Right now, it's Deborah Rockets, but Deborah <laughs> Buckets could make a return. <laughs> that would be so good. 
Oh, man. Alex, thanks for uh, coming up with those questions. That was really fun. Uh, you got to follow Alex on Twitter at AlBabyCakes. You can follow me on Twitter at Andrew K. Schlecht. Follow our podcast at Down to Dunk. Make sure you get your Down to Dort shirts. ShopGoodOKC.com backslash DTD. Pre-order them now. You can get them here in a couple weeks. Uh, They're super cool. So go check those out. Hope you guys have a great day, and we'll talk to you guys again on Friday.